You feel like you've got the audience. It's like, we've got each other. It's not just, I've got them, but we've got each other. That's the magic right there. Hello and welcome once again to the No Name NYC podcast. Actually, uh, if you're listening to this on the day it drops, it is New Year's Day. Welcome to 2024. I hope you are in good spirits and not as filled with dread as I am about 2024. No, well, you know, you guys are here. I feel a little bit better about that. And we do have some great things coming up. Thank you for choosing to be here. You made it. We're here. And the voice you heard up front was, for the second month in a row, Dawn Owens, co-founder of No Name. We had to do this one in two parts because of transportation in New York. Uh, as I wind about on, on our first part with her, we ran into all sorts of madness on the subway on the way there. And so I am blind. I have access to access a ride. We thought, hey, there's no New York City marathon on this day. We're going to Brooklyn to finish recording the podcast with Dawn Owens. And I thought, you know what? Gary's carrying equipment and I'm a blind guy. And, you know, just let's do it the simple way. We're headed to Brooklyn from the Heights. Let's get an access ride. Gary arrived early and I was ready to leave early. The access ride was a half hour late. The guy may have run into traffic and may not. Yeah, I don't want to blame him. He seemed like a good driver once we got in. But whatever happened beforehand, he was a half hour late. And then we ran into traffic. When you're stuck in a ride and you know you're going to be late, and there's nothing you can do about it except for have anxiety and panic attacks. So I, I did that because it helped pass the time. We called Dawn ahead and, and let her know, and ultimately everything was fine, but it, it started to feel like, are we just snake bit for this guest? Uh, certainly not her fault. I blame it on New York being New York. But anyway, we eventually got there, and it was okay. We had a lovely chat. It was just wonderful talking with her. I, I just have to say, I mean, seriously, I, you know, she hadn't been an active part in No Name for... Uh, over two decades, but some of the things that people know most of us, I mean, actually No Name starting in and of itself was her idea to, do, uh, to create a sketch group, and we did that. It was her idea to try to do a regular variety show, which is our format for the last 24 years. She gave it its title, No Name in a Bag of Chips. It was her idea to hand out chips. Her fingerprints are all over the show that she's not been an active part in for over two decades. And it was a real pleasure for me to talk with her just about some old memories and how we got to this point and hear more of her story and to be able to share it with you guys. Because seriously, if anyone is listening who really loves No Name, No Name would not exist without her. I'm not downing on my own contributions or whatever. I mean, I saw it through and my fingerprints are all over it too. So I guess that makes me a suspect. Anyway, it was light talking with her and we will get to the completion of that episode in just a minute. But we, we got to get a word from our sponsor. So first, from the home of Bob the Squirrel, get away to Green Bay. Escape to Green Bay. That's right, the historic 
Astor House Bed and Breakfast in beautiful Green Bay, Wisconsin. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a bed and breakfast before, but the breakfast at a lot of these places tends to be like a mini box of cereal or uh, some questionable fruit, things of that nature, a piece of toast maybe with some butter. But not at the historic Astor House Bed and Breakfast. Your innkeepers, Tom and Linda Steber, will provide you with a delicious, absolutely world-class breakfast every single morning. They will also make you feel welcome in any one of their five luxury accommodations, all of which have a private bath and some of which have their own jacuzzi. If you want to know what's going on around town, Tom and Linda will let you know about any special events and they'll also make recommendations for you to any of the wonderful restaurants in town. So you can't beat it. Go. Go now. Go. Get away to Green Bay. For more information or for reservations, go to www.astorhouse.com. That's A-S-T-O-R-H-O-U-S-E.com. Get away to Green Bay. How are you? I am alive. I have my limbs and uh, hope I have my health. Yeah. <laughs> I um, understand. Knock on something. Knock on. I think there's wood here. Formica? What is this? Uh, but I just, she I have no idea what formica is. I just thought that would be a, a funny word. To... I think formica is a funny <laughs> word. Yeah, so I, I think we left off. We were talking about a, a, while we're in college and you're working with these guys and, and, and you make some recordings and to your surprise, you found out after the fact that one of them had been released. Is that accurate? Uh, yes. I found out that the victim of a joyride. Yes. Victim of a joyride. And uh, that it, well, I found out it had been released. Um, How did you find it. out? Well, um, well, actually, they said they released it, but I didn't realize that it actually had gone anywhere outside of you know somebody's basement um <laughs> i i i there i heard when actually one of our old schoolmates college mates called me crying and uh from a, a club like two o'clock in the morning and my mom's knocks on the was that with that ellen yes it was ellen and she yeah says, well she i'm sure that sort of call was not totally out of character just i yeah I, but also i'm just when i think back on my mom i'm like wow my mom was up late but my mom just kind of comes in the room hey um uh don you have a phone call and um I get on the phone and ellen's like you're a, you made it you made it very drunk but but you know i mean very happy and oh. she's well, happy, happily crying, but also, you know, sounding drunk. But anyway, she says, oh, you made it. You made it. And I hear my song in the background. Oh, man. Oh, that's. And I heard it. That's at badass. The yeah, it was. It, it was like, so how do you feel? Right. Hmm? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm doing this like the, the hackiest interview of. And how did that make you feel? How did it make me feel? Well, I was sleepy, but I, I, it, <laughs> <laughs> I was quite sleepy. Uh and, and, and in actuality, I, I kind of was scratching, and I said, oh, wow, you know, that's something. Mm. And then I went back to bed. And then <laughs> it, it took a while for it to set in because, mm -hmm. you know, I was playing there. But I think I was just more, 
to be honest, I, I don't think I was as, I wasn't floored by it. I did find it, I guess, more surprising and, and, and I was more, um, I guess, elated or proud of myself when I heard it playing on BLS. Mm, yeah. Um, by Frankie Crocker. Late Frankie, oh, wow. Frankie Crocker okay. coming in and he's like, this is a new one for you. It's from somebody called Dawn, victim of a joyride. And as it came, and I was like, wow. And uh, yeah, that was the only time I ever heard it. So I, but I, I used to have a recording of it. I don't know what the hell happened to that recording, but that made me feel, I guess, tingly and warm and I'm just kind of shocked. It made me feel great. It was quite surreal. My joke, Eric, is that although I'm proud of Victim of a Joyride, that it it didn't go platinum, it didn't go gold, but it went tinfoil. So <laughs> I'm very proud of that tinfoil. I don't know, a couple of years ago or so, somebody reached out to me to say that, you know, they they come across it on YouTube. Yeah. And they was like, and I looked at some of the comments below there because I could still do that. And it said, like, people like, like in, in Britain, I think, they're like, oh man, this was the jam. <laughs> Actually, it was probably, oh man, this is the jam. The, jam, the, man. the world's worst British. But you, oh, yeah. you know. Exactly. That's where I started seeing it uh, uh, and hearing it a few years ago. And I was just surprised. And I've seen, you know, the actual record. And then I'm going, who the hell are these people talking about? Yeah, this was an oldie. I'm like, an oldie? This is in Piccadilly. I remember this in Piccadilly. And we used to jam to it. And I'm going, who are these seven people? And where's my money? Where's my pounds? You know, that's a mixture of, oh, well, this isn't that nice. What the? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, that, now that's, that just, that just freaks me out. I don't even know how to feel about that <laughs> one. It is so many mixed feelings. It's like. You're popular, but you're not there. And I'd like to know, when was this all going on? Apparently, people were going home or going over to this club and that club and listening to my song and dancing to it. And the DJs were saying, remember this oldie? I mean, did you ever, like, do or want to do a little research to see, like, where was this? Because the comments that I saw all seemed to be European-based. So, like, I was wondering about the relative popularity or airplay or club play or whatever there versus here. I mean, did you ever look into that? I wish I knew how to look into that. I actually would love to look into that. Every now and then I, I'm reminded of it, like now. And then this, I'm well, going to look into that. But you know how you say you're going to Just a little service something? we provide. <laughs> you know how you say you're going to look into something? You're like, I'm going to look into that. I'm going to look into that. And then you're like, how the hell do I look into that? You know? <laughs> Or or, or sometimes look you look that. into it like, oh, I, I shouldn't have looked into that. I should have looked into that. I, I, yeah. I, I, with so many things online, you know. Yeah. I, it might be a little scared, you know, scary thing about that, too. Maybe in the crevices of my mind, it's like, you don't want to know. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> if anybody knows how I can look into that, let me know how I can look into that. And uh, more importantly, if, 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 if anyone found out where the, the, the checks got lost in the mail so we can retrieve them, you know, have new ones written. Did yeah. you, on the serious tip, because I, I, I know enough about the the indie music scene in New York at that time to, to know this is a legitimate question. Did you ever receive any money for that at all? No, but, I, is it, but wouldn't that have to mean that you sold like more than 10 copies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand. I understand. No, but that's yeah. what I mean. Like, no. Cause, 
there's the perception that you you probably know way better than I, you know, that like, who oh, it got played on the radio, you must got something coming to you. And thinking, <laughs> you know, if it worked that way. Yeah. You know, I, I for many years I, I, I worked at a day job that had tons of uh, music industry clients there and, you know, artists, especially young artists mm-hmm. who, you know, got like some sort of, in, in, on a bigger scale, say like with a major label, got a little bit of money and didn't realize that was all they were going to get. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, you get the advance or whatever, which mm. is, you know, yeah. I, I know of somebody who's like a known quantity who like cracked up a brand new like Lamborghini or something like oh. that and wired the office to have another one sent to him the next day. Oh. And like, well, I guess that that's pretty much your contract right there. <laughs> You know, because they don't know and no one yeah. tells them, no. you know, because people make anyway. So I'm I'm glad yeah. you didn't have that experience well, for an indie label or whatever at, at that time. That's not an uncommon oh. story, I guess. Oh, yeah. They, they were that was just so small. I, I I didn't have anything to worry about in terms of getting an, an advance where I could buy. <laughs> A great car. Did you get a matchbox car? Nothing. Hot Wheels, maybe? Zebra, zilch. No, I had a, I would say a dollar in a dream, but no, just the dream. (laughs) Mom, can I borrow a dollar? It was kind of like that, you know, we were in college and everything, because I was in college at the time, and um, yeah, pretty much, Mom, do you have five bucks? (laughs) Did that make you, like, anticipate the next, did you think this was the start of something or I, I did do. you even have any sense of that? I did think it was the start of something. It's just that it wasn't on a great foundation because it's who was footing. We, it was these guys who started up this sort of record company, a record label themselves, very, very small. And this gentleman came to support that financially. It just fell apart pretty quickly. But mm-hmm. it did seem like there was another, we did do, we, it, we did go back into the studio and there were in, and there was an even better demo, more production. There was a uh, more production with this song that we did. That didn't even make airplay because everything fell apart after that. But that mm. was around the time where I wasn't enjoying because there was just too many people in the studio telling me different things. Sing it this way, try it that way. There were just too many people. See, when it was just me and Mark, that was just creative. As I said, like we were being creative, and we were like you and I with comedy. Me and Mark with music, people might be, and what does that mean? Just that flow and just, I would say with Mark and I, we were musical kind of Mm soulmate-ish. And the type of creativity that we had in that, in his room, he's, he, well, that sounds funny, right? In his room, we had that creativity, but he had a, (laughs) he had a room, he had a, anyway, he had a room that he had set up like a mini studio. That was mm. the first time I ever knew about someone having a studio in their, in, anywhere, in their house, in their home. Because right. I remember people used to remember, I came from music in our high school. And, and after that, people always, they'd go, we went in the studio. And that was a big deal. Anytime someone said that there was like a wah, wah in the background, <laughs> no one knows where that was coming from, but it was just music following <laughs> that person. And we, we went, went in the studio. Wah, wah. <laughs> we went in the studio. And then you realize the fucking studio could be anywhere. You could have a stu- people had studios. You could make a studio in your bathroom, right? So yeah. Then you know, so studio, no one ever gave studio. you all the details. Studio. It's like oh, we were in the yeah. studio. Well, that was so, yeah, the studio. I, can you hurry up? I need to go. <laughs> right, exactly. And so Mark had a studio, had made his room 
was a studio. He lived with his girlfriend, but his bedroom was a studio. And these guys were older than me, and it was so hilarious. I was like their little sister. Although Aww. Mark was a hilarious kind of creepy brother sometimes. Funny, though. Not creepy sexual harassment, but funny. <laughs> he just told us things like it was. Donnie D. He used to call me Donnie D. But anyway, so we... That doesn't sound like a musical genius, huh? Donnie D. By the time we sort of... It sounds like a story, like a mu- uh, one of those musical movies where you show how we came from a small little dream. We had these kids with a dream and then how the industry messed it all up and how we, we end up in production and then I don't want to do it anymore. I'm not happy anymore. And that's pretty much what happened because Mark and I making the music or creating music, writing music together in his home and his small studio and then by the time we got to this, okay, now here's this guy, he's footing our our bill, and he doesn't know music, nothing. I mean, he knew nothing about music, but yet he wanted to be in the studio. And so that's frustrating, too, for Mark, who's kind of the, you know, he's the genius, and yeah. he's going, tell him to sing it this way, sing it down, but try to sing it, sing it loud, but soft. <laughs> Soft and loud. Wait. (laughs) No. Sing it low, but to the side. And then there's the... Oh, man. Donny D. Uh, And he has to translate for him, like, well, I think he's trying to say Donny D is trying to, you know, maybe sing it. And I'm like, I can't anymore. I started hating singing, and I never hated it. So by that time, we then we started to have friction, and now the whole thing's fell apart. But I still had some of the demos, and I think that song might have been one that actually got airplay. Like, might not have been, to me, my favorite. Mm. It was Baby, You Know the Spot. And they had backup singers come in because on the on victim of a joyride, I did all the vocals. Right, I figured that was. But then we got to the big big leagues, and we had um, backup vocalists come in, even speaking Spanish during the. Um, there was a talking phase, and so they, you know, wanted to be authentic. So they, it was, it had a Spanish feel. It had a salsa feel. They had Latinas, and you know, put a Spanish. If you're going to speak in Spanish, a sexy Spanish piece, they did that. And uh, and did they, they sing soft but loud? They sing soft and loud and to the right. But like if you were like plastic, but like hot plastic. He wants you to sing like hot plastic, Donny D. Okay. I, I, I don't know what hot plastic is. Hey, you, you know me. what hot plastic is. Come on. You're kind of losing me as to where the fun goes out of this. <laughs> it sucks. The first time we did Victim of Joy, right? It was wonderful. A wonderful experience in a real big studio, a studio that's known in down in New 42nd Street, where apparently the, you know, the big wigs did their, you know, recordings there. That was yeah. great. I just remember we had very fresh strawberries. They gave us <laughs> strawberries. But anyway, I digress. And you said you didn't get paid. Yeah, I got paid in strawberries. So you're still in college. And, and, and you're kind of done with, you're walking away from the music at that point. And, and I totally I, I get what you're saying. It's like, not, you know, when it stops being fun, especially if you're not getting paid, it's funny because you're talking about you, you and Mark, and it was fun working together, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something when, when we started No Name, I, I think got away from us real fast mm-hmm. and we weren't, <laughs> the energies were never spent on, uh. on doing what we set out to do. 
there's always ancillary stuff or whatever. But but you're in college and you're you're a communications major. <laughs> Like everyone, so many people, right? <laughs> yes, it, it was a very broad interpretation of, of communications at cities in those right? days. Do you have any thoughts on what you're doing next other than not that? Well, I was in that music. I was doing that music in that way while we were in City College. Right. While we were doing that. Right. That I know, that. but I mean... I hadn't walked away from the music. I just had walked away from that. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Um, I still was writing, you know, I still was writing songs. I was writing songs since I was little. I still kept writing songs. I just was, you know, that was just like seeming like a big break and maybe I'd break into the industry. I just didn't know what else to do or how to do it, how to get in, to break in. I think just after we just sort of broke up, it I just got distracted onto, I guess, on... Now I was looking at, I guess, comedy and and when we were in communications, a lot of things overlapped. Like you know, when we were doing speech, we all had to have speech, and <laughs> and then that's where I met you in our speech class, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, the uh, the, the broadcast journalism oh, class, I think. Yeah. yeah, we had a couple of classes together, I think, but mm-hmm. that that's the the first one, I think. When we were <laughs> like, hey, this is weird, don't you think? Yeah, <laughs> okay. this is weird. Yeah, it was. I had a class where with the speech, and I was doing the a class on hues, colors, and hues. That was weird. Communications. So I'm just saying. <laughs> I think it was like if you have a lot of things that you're going to be the uh, where you plan to be the maybe the jack of all trades, the master of none. <laughs> maybe that's what, what I bachelor. Of what is it? I don't even know what I have. Bachelor got the Bachelor of Arts. I had a few different interests. Look, I'm not one. Just not one thing. And so, just pieces of me, pieces, pieces of me. The music piece, whichever way you know, I'm trying to find myself. So, music pulls me one place. I'm interested in that. But then I started getting interested in um, the comedy. Did never things that I was not interested in. It's just more. What summons those things at that time? At that time, yeah. So if comedy was always my thing, like, then what do I do with it? It's sort of like I never knew what I wanted to do with it. And then when you and I started talking, when we were just in our friendship and the kind of banter we had, yeah. and I remember we were just cooking. We were just like one. <laughs> we were just like a traveling talk show, night talk show. <laughs> well, with, I, I, I don't. I don't know <laughs> if you ever had this experience. I. I, I Somebody one night when it was a, a crew of us hanging out and, and, and you and I were just riffing and I remember some friend and I don't even remember who it was anymore, but someone like next day like you know, kinda like like you guys are like speaking your own language or whatever, it was weird and it's like so no, but we were funny. Uh, it just went over your so head. Yeah, I was laughing, but you know, uh, I don't know, it, it was, well I, I I don't know if I've ever ever told you this, but one reason that I enjoyed riffing with you. I think we had some random conversation on campus or bumped into each other at a store near campus or something. And I was just like, oh man, this person speaks out loud like the voices in my head. Her brain is processing stuff in a way that's akin to the way mine does. And that was... (laughs) I had not encountered that before, wow. largely because I was I was not a social person as a, as a younger person. I, as hard as it may be to believe now, I I sat quietly in rooms and didn't talk to anybody and tried to avoid it. 
So wow. to just suddenly be riffing and flowing with another human being that was funny in the way that my brain thought it was funny, <laughs> it was kind of a revelation. And I was like, we, we got to do something with this. I thought, let's write a play. Oh, yeah, that's where it huh? started. If I ever go through all the crap in my apartment, I mean, I've gone through some of it, but that makes me not want to go through some more of it. But when I go through (laughs) some of it, it's like, I'm sure that somewhere in the ruins is like lined yellow legal pads with all the stuff that we didn't write. (laughs) That was like... You know? (laughs) (laughs) See, now that we're talking about it, I'm thinking, that seems like an odd choice for us to have focused or humor on at that point. I think it was. I think so too right now. I'm trying to think of what the heck we were thinking. <laughs> I mean, we weren't high, but I mean, it's just, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I was <laughs> doing a lot of acting classes, so I was kind of geared towards oh, yeah. that, but I, I wasn't geared towards writing that stuff. No. I, I, I Eric, I wish, I don't know how we got on that. A play, <laughs> like, that's the thing to do. We have all this banter. Let's write a play. Well, you got out of, out of school before I did. Hmm. And um, no, no, no. Let me correct this. You graduated before I stopped going to school. When I got out, I had, uh, this may be a common thing, but certainly it was common at, at City College for both the BA and BFA in, in theater programs. People got out and they may have, sat on a floor pretending to be a mothball and getting into the psyche of a mothball and learning about sensory memory recall and also and improv and all sorts of things. But so many people got out of there and was like, what do I do now? Yeah. And I had some friends who were, a couple of whom were actually doing something, a couple of whom were trying to figure out what the fuck to do. Mm-hmm. I remember it was like a, well, we should... Do something. Mm-hmm. And I think I reached out to you to ask you if you wanted to be a part of the thing that we didn't know what we wanted to do <laughs> or something. <laughs> I, I don't remember how that got assembled, but I n- know that once you were in the room, something good could happen. As it turned out, it wasn't going to happen with any of those other people. <laughs> do you remember we before, as, as a precursor to No Name, we were meeting up to improv things and got a gig that we did not go to because at the time of the gig, we had been meeting and goofing around for probably a few months and still had no idea what to put on stage. Was that the one with Cola and Al? Yes, Alan and was it a woman named Sylvia? She came in much later. But at first, Donna was, I think, part of it. I, you know, I didn't remember Donna, Donna at that came, stage, came but yeah, you're went. right. You're but right. there was definitely me, you, Cola, and Alan. And yeah, we yeah. just talked about how we needed to approach whatever it is we were going to do. And that's what <laughs> we did. I remember, I think of that sometimes. I think, man, we were just meeting and it was fun, I think. Yeah. And then some stuff wasn't that's fun. That's the thing. That that was before, we before stuff got nothing. off the rails. But we weren't on the rails either. No, we were just, that was just, I I, I would say a shit show, but... No, it was just a no show. It was, <laughs> you know, it, it, I, th- I think it was a bunch of young people w- who had a sense that they had some sort of an ability who enjoyed being with each other, yeah. who didn't know what the fuck to do with that energy. <laughs> so we were just hanging out. Yeah. So we were just hanging out. 
And I had a DJ friend. He knew what we were doing, but he didn't know what was going on in the quote-unquote rehearsals. But he was like, hey, doing this gig, would you all like to do some comedy at the gig? Because where is a better place for a sketch or improv group that is ill-defined to make their debut than in the middle of a dance club? (laughs) But you know what I think no, is kind of funny is that no know. one blinked until like two hours before the show. It's like, oh, we can't do this. What the hell were we thinking? What are we going to do out there? And, and fortunately, I was able to get a hack comic who could play it off well enough to seem like he wasn't a hack comic for people who had a lot of drinks in them. And so, so my buddy still had a comedy act, so he was cool with the club. Uh, and that guy still, got, uh, and ironically, that guy got paid. Uh, did we still go, or we just didn't? No, no, we we got together to not go to the gig. <laughs> I don't know if we ever intended. To, maybe we were going to go to support, you know, the DJ. <laughs> you know, my buddy, a uh, shout out to DJ Richard Barreto. He's still doing his thing in in, right. in the Maryland D.C. area now, but he's right. still kicking ass. But um, yeah, so like it would have been a good gig to go to. I don't recall if any of us went. I know I did not. I feel like we all went to Pizzeria Uno for a while, <laughs> so it was a little bit less of a splashy debut. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that was intended. Oh my goodness! I, I don't know. I just I always I, I sometimes think it, and I think about my mom. Sometimes I wish I had at least a mom who was maybe a little bit more of a stage mom. They say it's bad, but sometimes I'm like I wish my mom was a stage mom. I don't want to be a stage mother. I I don't want to be a stage mom. I want you to do it. But for me, it sounded like I probably needed a little bit of a stage mom to get me focused. <laughs> You know, focus on this one thing at a time and and do it. I think it's a fear, too, of actually succeeding and failing, of course, but mm-hmm. also succeeding. I, I realized years later, Eric, I'm like, not to at all say I could have been a, like Beyonce. But when I watched Beyonce working so hard, I said, man, that thing looks tiring. I mean, <laughs> that looks so damn tiring. <laughs> I mean, good for them, but the star, I want to be a star. And then I think to myself, oh, man, I'm too sleepy. I just, you know, uh, that takes a lot of work to be a star. It's a lot of work and a lot of hustle and, you know, God bless. I do like the idea of being in a group. That was always what interested me most was the idea of, of working with other people. That's why I was drawn to acting rather than stand-up, despite the fact that I sadly went down that path. As you're talking about the stage mom thing, I I was thinking about my experience on that in those regards that I had two parents who wanted to be supportive and wanted me to go nowhere near doing any performing publicly because... They were afraid it was, you know, going to be a life of ruin and destitution. You know, they, you know, I was told in these exact words, you cannot make a career at it. And as you were talking about the stage mom thing, I was thinking, well, I definitely didn't have the stage mom and dad thing. But I was wondering about if there was an impact or influence. Your dad was a stand-up comic and a damn good one. You never had any interest in doing stand-up, right? Absolutely not. Never, ever. That... that that's like saying, do you have an interest of peeling your toenails off without any kind of, you know, 
No painkillers, nothing. Uh, yeah, I, I... Would you like to get hit with a bat on your legs or in your face? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. We can do it on your legs. That's a good night. That means that's a good stand-up night. But producer but, Gary and I were talking uh, earlier about this guy that I was compelled to give some stage time at a, an event I was involved in. This was someone who I did not know. They apparently had a very successful day job. So when I met this person, they said something about, I've been to stand up off and on for about 16 years. Mm. And they were saying it in a way that like, I am a stand up comic. Mm. And like, if, if you've been back and forth for 16 years, you, you haven't gotten that commitment yet. We were saying that like, if the wounds aren't still open and exposed, mm. you haven't really committed to stand up. Mm -hmm. That's, Wow, that's a rough one. But I, but but am I right? You 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 had an up close look at it. Oh, you know, gosh, it's like yeah. you 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 it's, you've got to either have a passion for the art or a really special level of self hatred to get into it. And if both. you've been back and forth for sixteen years and you're kind of sort of doing it, I mean that's fine. Think, that no, doesn't mean you have uh, no skills. But no, that's like. You're not living that life. No, it's like saying I'm doing crystal meth for 16. But I see this out, out of total respect for it, you know. Oh, sure. My, you know, I do think it's a little of both of what you said. Like, you have a passion and, like, a self-something. For me, oh, no, man. That, to me, it's just, it's nothing else that seems to be more of raw, just being so, putting yourself out there to be so incredibly rejected. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, when you're singing, someone doesn't say, shut up. You know, I mean, I have heard when I was in high school, we had a band and we didn't know anything better. But, you know, you're singing and you're, you could be doing a gig and people are talking because, and you're not used to that. You, you think people are supposed to be listening to you. But if you're playing in sort of like a setting where people are eating and drinking coffee, we weren't used to people just talking while you're singing. <laughs> so I remember the basis was like. Why don't you just be quiet for a minute? <laughs> of course, he's a teenager. He's like, why don't you just be quiet for a minute? We're, we're playing here. But, I mean, most of the time, people aren't going to say, like, shut up, you know, or no, that's not. Sing for me. Make me smile. But people do that with laughter. Uh, yeah. It's make me laugh. Come on. There, make there are some me. places come, yeah. people come in with that attitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, Go ahead. Yeah. Let's see what you get. Yeah. But at not least, like boy, I've come I've come to a place that is filled with joy and I can't wait to start to bask in the laughter. <laughs> but comedy but comedy in a comedy troupe, love that. I love that. I love that energy. It is also that too with singing and performing. It's strange that you know, I do love performing. So it, there is like this one area, you probably know it, where you feel like you've got the audience and it's like Everything in your being is shining. It's like this beam of everything that's in my being, my soul is just locking into the audience. It's like, we've got each other. It's not just, I've got them, but we've got each other. And it's, that's the magic right there, or they say the sweet spot. If I don't have that venue, or I don't have that place. To, it's sort of like I'm not looking for it sometimes. It still can happen, but I, I remember it when I'm doing something, when it happened upon a situation where it can happen again. If I don't happen upon that situation, I sort of forget about how much I like that or love that. Stand-up isn't that one for me, although a lot of people have told me over the years, you know how people do, you say something funny, oh, well, like we were saying, you should be a stand-up comedian. No. And they go, no, that's okay. <laughs> no. no, you don't get it. 
I made you laugh. I told you the cookies. Oh, that cookie's brown. Oh, <laughs> that making you laugh in the kitchen like that is not stand up. You see those people that get up on the stage on the um, open mic nights mm-hmm. who have listened to those people at work that said, you're funny. You made us laugh about the paper. So you should be a stand up comedian. And you feel like going, yeah. You were listening to the people in the kitchen at work, weren't you? Even if they are funny, that's not going to do it. So I know there's a lot more in there. And also, it's just that form. That form, that particular form is the one that I don't, that's just not not me. Dance, singing, acting, um, writing music, playing music for people. But then you go... Uh, but stand up? No. <laughs> you, you, you know what's funny mm. about those, those people who tell you, you you're, you're funny? You should go. And, and you go to the club and, and, and you do one of those bringer shows and they come to the show and they don't even laugh at you. <laughs> <laughs> you told me I should do this. Exactly. I, I, I made the same <laughs> wacky joke as I did in the kitchen. I mean, you just left me out and it, yeah, it wasn't funny. <laughs> like, don't do it, man. Don't do it. It's you not. Know? It's not funny when 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 you've just paid, spent fifteen bucks for a Budweiser. Just when we were in your kitchen, I just went into the fridge. I got, got you know what it is too. I think also people don't realize it's not just somebody standing up making people laugh. I think that's maybe on the outside. What also and also what makes it brilliant when someone is good at what I think is good a good comic, and that is. You're not just standing up and being funny. There is an art. It is a talent. You're seeing the final result of countless hours of work on the mic and, you know, at at the writing table. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, that's which is why I I, I do sometimes get disdainful about the person. I've been doing this for 16 years off and on, Mm -hmm. like one mic every six months with no serious writing work in between is not being a stand-up. You might be doing stand-up comedy, but that doesn't make you a comic, if you know what I mean. So when you graduated from college, what did you do, aside from hang out with us knuckleheads? This is like an autopsy of my artistic life. Who are you, Don Owens? What are you doing with your life? What did I do? First time, first go around? You know what? Went into the job market. Went into trying to find out now, what do I have to do on paper? What do I have to do in an office? What am I good at in an office? And what will this communications job, degree get me? Yeah, nothing. It wasn't good. And I ended up, because <laughs> I'm still young, honestly, still in that period of life where I, I hear other people talk about, remember when you used to start a job and you really hated it and then you'd quit? That was like, I, I stayed in a job, I guess about a, a year. And that was my first little job at math. And it was, you had to be kind of good at math. And I sucked at math. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I got in there, but I, it gave me a shot. Uh, advertising, but I was in the area where you had to look at ratings and things. So you had to be Uh. decent at math. And that didn't go well, but I mean, it was good for a while. And then one day I just got frustrated with my boss and I remember saying, I'm going to quit. And I did. And then after that is when I started working with the city. That's where the office, working in an office, and what are my talents, and how do some of them actually come into play where I'm using them while I'm working in different aspects of the, of the city agency I work in. That's where I started doing facilitating and training. And in training and facilitating, you do get to use your use of self. For me, as a facilitator, I used the comedy. But I was doing a lot of the comedy, the uh, 
learning lines because you do the curriculum, memorizing. It, it, it was a lot of the dynamic of having connecting with people that I got to use. So I worked with doing facilitating within the agency for a long time. And I think in interacting still with clients, with people, um, right now, because of what I do with the research, supposedly I've moved up through the ranks. And right now in our department, we don't work with clients. So I do research. So that said, I don't get to do as much of those things now. And maybe that's why I'm looking at, hmm, this artistic piece. I think I was telling you about missing the artistic piece. And I'm thinking that that's why maybe because of what I do now, I don't get, it doesn't afford me a way to also incorporate other, what I would say, artistic aspects of myself that I used to be able to. So after I graduated from school, that's where it went. I went into the office, and then I went to the city, and that's where I grew, started to grow most of my adult life. I have to say it's something that you, you would always tell me about, the day job, and, and I was always really impressed at how you found... I mean, I don't know if it was even conscious of, you know, or if it was just uh, how you're wired, but the, it seemed like all, all the performing skill sets that you have, like, you know, you found ways to utilize them in a job that I don't know that other people would have thought of it that way, you know? And I, I thought, well, like, well, damn, that's that's something you get. I mean, you didn't have the the theater degree, so what may not have been, but you, you had this, <laughs> the theater degree would have gotten you probably some of the same jobs the communications job did, I guess. Mm. I don't know. I can tell you it didn't get me anywhere. But, oh, but the, anyway, but I'm just saying is that I've, I, I like, it, it, it kind of registered me uh, on me as a younger person. Like, you know, if you're a creative person, you, you just create and it doesn't matter the circumstance. And yeah. I was always very impressed with how you did that. And that you were still doing artistic stuff elsewhere. I mean, even because No Name was still, I still was in No Name for many years while I was in, in the city. I, you know, we happened, I was in No Name. Well, no, it, you know what? I'm going to interrupt you because I, I want this, I've said this to countless, probably hundreds, maybe thousands of people over the, the length of time since No Name officially began. This is a public record now. No Name would not, could not, exist if not for you because you were the one person out of all in the show that we did not do with that group i was down about it like oh man we had a chance but we didn't do anything with it and i think a couple other people may have felt that way a couple other people i think thought oh let's get get some pizza but (laughs) you i remember you and i were talking about it and you were like well you know but we did develop some stuff there like we should do something with it. You were the one who suggested, you know, that could we we were kind of constructing sketches out of loose improvisations in in those rehearsals. You said, why can't we take some of those ideas and make them in sketches? And I was like, well, well we can. <laughs> and you and I started writing stuff, and and then we we did actually put together people who would be more serious about it. At least that's what we thought we were yeah, doing. Yeah, right. That uh, was an experience. But at least, but that was like the first time there was any thought to a plan, to an idea, to a structure, any of that. That was, and, and I will also want to go on record as saying that through the years, even though you haven't been a regular part of it in a long while, pretty much anything that ever worked 
with something that sprung from your idea when we when we shifted let's go to the early days we when we were a sketch group we put together a troupe mm-hmm. and scheduled shows and appeared yeah. at them and did yes. them we did them i don't know how people who were there felt about it <laughs> but, but we're doing it anyway but it got done <laughs> and you know let, let's give ourselves credit we we did yes. make a mark here and there. We played Caroline's a couple of times. Mm-hmm. We we got we were the comedy pick of the week for the New York Post, which, as everyone knows, was the arbiter of comedy in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but all of that that sprung from your suggesting that we did that. But when you were talking about your relationship with Mark, I was thinking about it was fun when you and I were writing sketches and concocting things and putting together people we thought would be good or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know about for you, but for me, it, it, it exactly what you said about when other people came into it. It, it. And I don't mean necessarily the people that we were casting per se, but early on, for the most part, we kept having these cattle call auditions. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we'd see a billion people and we had the brilliant idea you can put it on me, to give the chance to people who had less experience but showed a lot of talent. Mm. <laughs> what I found <laughs> is that all of a sudden these were people you know, fresh out of elaborate Midwestern theater programs who couldn't understand why they didn't start making money their first month in New York yep. and then were gone. And so yeah. you and I are spending all our time recasting yeah. and doing everything but the art that we wanted to do to begin with. Yeah. When you were talking about it wasn't fun anymore, I think I didn't admit it for a long time, but I think that's kind of what happened with early No Name. It was a good idea, but there wasn't a real model to follow for starting sketch in New York at the time. Improv, yes, but not sketch. Mm, Model to follow. There was not a model to follow. I, and, I mean, really, I only knew of two other sketch groups in New York when we first started. Oh, yeah. I guess you're right. I mean, also, you were the writer. You, I mean, I didn't have that much experience. While I could do concept in terms of the actual writing of sketches, I hadn't had any training in it. And some of them really were long and sucked because it was more, I'm more it was more, I needed to be more conceptual, give the concept. The concept. I think we're, I gave I believe gave funny concept, but in terms of the writing of the piece, that that's something that I don't know if I maybe would do better now or something that I mean, where do you go to learn how to write that? You had that wow. more natural. Uh, you had a more natural talent for well, that. I, 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 I'm going to have to correct you on that, just <laughs> simply because the feedback I got from my beloved dear friends. <laughs> Throughout the early years of that was pretty much what you just said. My sketches were too long, unfocused, and uh, really weren't nearly as funny as I thought they were. I mean, we did, both of us, I think we did really nail a few of them. Mm. But That's why we kept doing them. We did the ones that were nailed, we just kept doing them. (laughs) And then it was like, I think the thing was, where's the other ones? Like, what now? I I think if someone said right now, I wonder... 
maybe it sounds good now. I, if someone said, okay, done. Write sketches. I mean, especially after I watch SNL, to be honest. Now, these days, I'm like, really? Um, <laughs> now, I feel like confident after I watch SNL. I'm like, I can do that. <laughs> Their sketches are really long, I notice. And I'm like, oh, my God, so long. And so, I, like, if someone said, you got to write, like, three sketches, I'd have to map. I, I guess it's also you realize what your strengths are and what you would need to know. If someone said just actually write a sketch, I'd go, I don't really know how to you should write worded in terms of writing out, you know, dialogue, right? Um, script, script, that's what it is. Um, if someone did to put a sketch together in terms of give a concept, do a concept, do a concept, do a concept, and just block it right now, and you told me do three, do three, I'd do it. I probably could do that. That's what I have to watch it on SNL these days. Yeah, I think before, I don't know what the heck was going on, and maybe I'm thinking that's what it was. I, I just... I, I, I just, we were just doing the same ones that we felt were good. I don't know if I just had that block or, or if I, I just only could do the concept, you know. Wait, you know I, mean, it, I don't know why we kept doing the same ones. I mean, they were good ones. Well, it, it, it's funny as you were talking here about the, uh, you said you didn't, I didn't know how to write sketches. No, and it occurred oh. to me no one did because there was no one really doing that. And then nowadays you can go to a million workshops, okay. classes, you, you know, where they teach you how to write sketch. Oh. There were improv classes then, oh, but okay. there were not really sketches, yeah, That's classes good. geared towards sketch. And when I think about it, the only like other than creative writing classes, generic creative writing classes, the only training I had had was playwriting, mm, plays. Yeah which are long, <laughs> and when you're a young writer, probably unfocused. <laughs> and so I was just writing slightly shorter, long plays that were unfocused. <laughs> you know? And it wasn't like there were sketch groups that we could go out, other than the couple that we knew and worked with a couple of times, there really weren't, it wasn't like, you want to see improv any night of the week and go to, uh, you know, the pit or, you know, uh, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. the, the various places that are established and see other people who are doing it. Mm -hmm. In fact, I don't know if you remember when we first were, were talking about like actually putting a formal group together, we wanted to check out another comedy group. So we mm -hmm. went to see Gotham City Limits, mm -hmm. an improv troupe. Yes. I think if things had played out differently, we would have figured it out along the way could we both have writing skills and we both have comedy you know mm -hmm. skills i believe that's not too much hubris mm -hmm. but we didn't have you know we were both working nine to fives yeah. and all our energies were recasting and mm -hmm. getting the new people to learn the existing scripts so that we would have enough time to Mm -hmm. write That's new true. stuff and just after a while there was no new stuff being written right can you talk about what led to you not being as involved at that time it was about six years in if i recall correct oh you know i i don't i don't remember too well well i know you were going to uh you went back to school oh yeah that's right I and you that, you were I? you were getting <laughs> getting your degree or whatever and you just that was oh, very well, time-consuming. Oh, my goodness. You know, social work degree is, they, they for some reason, they act like you're going to into combat and you're going to yeah. combat school. They really do. You're just like, what, for real? Really? 
Um, you don't start learning until after you're finished with school anyway. So relax, calm down. But yeah, it's very, so it's real all consuming. And, um, and yeah, I think I just got, it just, I think we, it, it sort of felt like it, that we didn't have the direction right at the time. Yeah. And then, you know, like through the years, Eric, you and I, our friendship is, is, is very long. You're like one of my longest friends. And sometimes we had our ups and downs and sometimes sure. we, we need space from one another. So I think that was one of the times, honestly, I, I also think we were, might've been a time where it was like, ah, oh, both of us were feeling like yeah. we need to take a break from the whole thing. And we were something in with casting there was, you know, just the break from that. That's what I remember. Yes, yeah, that 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 all sounds right to me, and like you know, I, I mean, I I don't think I would have admitted it at the time, but I wasn't having fun with that at that point mm. either, you know. Mm. Um, and you had real shit to go do, and I had mm. packages to deliver. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you had know, shit my to day do. job or whatever. You had shit to do, and you know, I. You know, in, in I, I think at the time my feelings were a little bit hurt because it's like, well, yeah, you're going to school and you're leaving me with this, and this was your idea anyway. You, you know, and like, no, but you know, it, it it was probably the right time to walk away. But you know, at least take the break, like you say. But mm -hmm. the, we also blame, and we also sometimes I think the tension of that whole thing also that tension of two good friends doing that type of project together also had its weight on our friendship at times. It put stress and tension on us, that which which we persevered. But yeah, that put the tension on there. And then, you know, you have other stuff coming on in life. I had to deal with some, you know, I had to deal with stupid men. Not that, not that men are stupid, but I had to deal with stupid, you know, you have to take out time when as you grow as a woman. I gotta have time. Oh yes, that's right. Gotta deal with assholes. Okay, all right, so and school, but um, okay, so yeah, you had a, a hell of a lot on on, <laughs> on the plate, but we <laughs> <laughs> like it, fun you know, with assholes, um, um no. and, jerks, and, and you had to pay for the plate too, yeah. Um, <laughs> sometimes, but no, I, but you know, but I, I, I think for me, I was kind of like, what do I do now? You're leaving me with this, <laughs> you know. But I have to say, you gave me uh, the greatest parting gift uh, of all as, as as you took your break because you and I had always talked we were both I well I was very impressed by I, I think you, you liked it as well that we knew some very talented folks who had started a variety show a comedy variety show called Moonwork yeah and we used to go there sometimes because we had friends who were involved mm -hmm. and I remember us talking about you know we knew so many talented people who had trouble finding stage time anywhere. Mm -hmm. We had talked to them, like, it would be nice someday after after the com sketch comedy group thing had, had made us rich, it would be nice <laughs> to expand. <laughs> See, you didn't just have to come from the Midwest to have those kinds of illusions. Um, but, you know, we, we had talked about it, it would be... Mm. Nice if we could provide, and I remember again, th 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 we repeated this sort of scenario a few times. I said, You know, you said, Well, why couldn't we do our own show, variety comedy variety show where we could bring talented people? I'm like, Well, we can, we can. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember we, 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 
Ironically, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I remember it, there were a couple of times where we were having so much trouble assembling a cat and getting them ready for, for a sketch show. They were like, you know what? Why don't we just take this booking to just invite our friends up to do their own acts or whatever, be mm. less stressful, and and then it was kind of fun. And <laughs> I mm. can't speak for you, but for me, it was like, you know, it wasn't what I had planned to do at that point, but I was also like, oh, at least I didn't have to <laughs> call Andrew 50 times to right. see if he was going to show up to rehearsal or ask right. Glenn if he remembered his lines or, you know, uh-huh. whatever the case was. Mm-hmm. And that started out as, we should do this once every few months. <laughs> and then when you went to, to grad school, but again, the best idea. That's what we ultimately morphed into and, and stayed as um, because we were getting positive. For me, my my way of looking at it is we were just getting these positive energies of people who really did want stage time. And so there was no, you know, oh, man, do we have to rehearse tonight? I, I, I want to go mm-hmm. meet my friends or whatever. You know, like, they're like, show Saturday, be there. Right. You know, um, but we were also fortunate that a lot of the people who were our friends, who were super talented folks, some of whom are still, you know, we've actually had on the podcast, people like Lee Allen Barrett, yeah. who was just starting to, to become a magician for, mm-hmm. for real at that point. Marilyn Torres, amazing yeah. actor, mm-hmm. um, you know, was starting to work on her solo shows, and character pieces. And we were fortunate that we had them because we sure as fuck didn't have audience. (laughs) (laughs) We were trying to bring audience in. That was another, you know. Yeah. At the time we were doing the sketch group, usually that involved some money if we didn't have enough bodies in the seats. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm still trying to pay people I borrowed from. (laughs) So wow. I will preface this by saying when you and I first met and became friends, you were three years old. <laughs> That'll make this a little bit easier to, to, to put out there. This February will be the 30th anniversary of our very first no-name show. Oh, my God. We became the type of show we are now, the comedy variety show, about 24 years ago. Mm. I don't know if I ever put it to you this way, but at the time you went to grad school and became, you know, took your break, I approached it as I'm minding the store until you come back. Mm-hmm. Life happens and we grow and we do things or whatever. And you like tore into getting your degrees and, and you know, making real life. I'm still not that far removed from the undegreed mess that I was at that time. But... <laughs> You and I talked in real life recently about that you bought a guitar and you're you're writing mm-hmm. again and you're doing stuff. What about the time between when you became less involved with No Name and now? I mean, in terms of artistic outlets and, and serving them, how did you deal with that? Aside from putting myself into, like I said, into things, right. the type of things I was doing, my job where I had the ability to facilitate and training, where some of that you get to use, you get to lose a lot of yourself, and I get to use this, some of the yeah. same, you know, artistic. It's kind of like a stand-up chops, performance chops. 
in addition to that, I mean, I think that's how I was at, uh, I guess that was my, um, that's the way I was getting off artistically. Um, but I had not gone to a piano or I wasn't going, I wasn't doing any performances. I wasn't trying out for them. And it wasn't like I was feeling like I haven't been feeling like, oh, I need to. I mean, okay. Then what happens is, let's say you came to my wedding. Well, what now? 45 years ago, it feels like, no, oh, just kidding, <laughs> you were honey, 13. just kidding, honey, child. Um, but you came to my wedding. Okay. Um, well, 12 years ago now. And then remember I sang at my wedding. I sang at my wedding. I forget that I sang. And then I, I don't even remember I was singing the famous, the person who was singing at my wedding, you sang at my wedding. Wonderful. And, um, another Thank person, you. Denise, who was singing at the wedding, passed the mic to me. And then I took the oh, mic. So you didn't expect that. No, she passed the mic to me yeah. because she thinks like, oh, I'm going to give little Donnie a chance. And somehow <laughs> or another, she passed me the mic. And then I, I light up and I forget like, oh, that's right. <gasps> Bam. And I knock her out of the way like like Diana Ross. Takes that was a pop. lovely it was moment. Hilarious, it was right? like- she, she couldn't get the mic back. She, <laughs> I'm walking with my dress. I've got the dress and I'm <laughs> prancing, right? I mean, it was kind of like I just, but it was just, I, that energy i i forget about it until some kind of that's what's been happening and going with my marriage because marriage is work I, I focused on my marriage i focus on my work but those things don't leave me it's just until some that they cross my path again i don't think about it i just go on doing those things you know working find the trying to find different areas to now use my brain because growing up that was another thing i when I was in sixth grade, because I used to joke a lot, I used to have them cracking up in school. So they used to call me Dummy Dawn because I was funny. I'd have them cracking up. The teachers, too. They'd be trying to punish me, but they'd be, like, laughing. But <laughs> that, but that's it. Coming back to the soul, I forget. So I'm just saying that. So I was focused on those things, the relationships. The, all those things um, are things that sort of take my mind away from, oh, let me play the guitar. Let me write music. I'm not thinking about going, you know, I'm not even, it, it, it's so busy and everything. And I'm thinking about, well, what can I do? I need to have a, uh, uh, even a hobby. Let me go see if I can get into some improv or sketch comedy. No, let me sing. Let me write. I didn't have a piano or guitar. But when those uh, 12 years ago, on when Denise passed the mic, and on let's dance, let's dance, and passed me that mic, you remember, she couldn't get it away from me. <laughs> But yeah, I didn't realize was, she was trying was to get it away awesome. from me. Oh. And then I sat on my husband's lap and I sat on Ricardo's lap and and I and it was just not to do a show. It's just I felt that's where I feel where my voice, I'm not worrying about my voice because a lot of times I don't enjoy ha- getting ready to sing. I told you, I don't get, enjoy getting ready to perform. Yeah. Performance for me is the best and the most gives the you know, most chills when it comes naturally. And I think anytime something forced or something, or there's a precedent, and that's could be a flaw of mine. And that maybe that's why I'm not, you don't know of me, like who's Dawn Owens um, in the paper or anything in, in the magazines and things or in the industries because I, it's, it's all, it's all hits naturally. It's, so when she passed me to Mike, like I said, that's the last time you saw where that glimmer comes up. And then if it doesn't come up again, then I go and I win where I'm dealing with my marriage and learn how to be in a marriage. Wow. No courses on that either, no, really. Oh, no, no, no. That So, but just that along with work in of itself and it 
it's just yeah, and it's a lot of work. No, you, you've never had a job that you could just just sleepwalk through. In no. time I've known you. No. Which I would can't. be like since before you were working, I guess, except mm. maybe camp council. You yeah. I, I actually want to say something uh, that, that I, I, I don't think I've ever said to you uh, off Dear. the mic. Long overdue. I think that I was not as understanding as I would like to have been when you walked away. I was like, to, to my limited way of thinking, it was like, because you, you were still, you know, always like the, 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 the funniest, most talented person that I knew from back in the day. And oh, like, poor man. if I had that, <laughs> how could I walk away from performing or whatever? And it, you never stopped using your creative stuff. You just, as you told me many times, using them differently. And mm -hmm. I couldn't really wrap my brain around that. And now that I've seen the, you know, the extraordinary human being that you you've become over over the years or whatever and I'm like yeah I, I there were you understood a lot of stuff that I I, I took many many years to learn and oh. I just I, I think it's kind of awesome that you weren't hampered by I need to do it in this way I could only see doing it in certain ways you know I just I, I was really happy when you told me you'd gotten the guitar and you're starting to work on music again and whatever and then uh, I hope we get to I hope that I pick up the guitar again because that get, that's hard that, <laughs> that hurts your fingers I've forgotten it was like a few months ago I saw Ricardo looks very intrigued when he sees the guitar and, and I just said I'm going to learn one I'm going to try to remember one of the songs that I wrote um, you know up, I, I think the last song I wrote I was in um, college I used oh, piano wow. and guitar and of course you also have a lot of material you know depending on what's going on with your life. I was trying to see if I could remember a song that I wrote when I was younger. And a lot of my, I can't remember. And then I was like this one that was kind of coming back to me. For, this was just one. And then I said, you know what? Maybe I don't have to remember them. I could just write another one. And then I was on that guitar and I forgot that you, you they hurt. It, you have to get calluses first. It really hurts. And my dad had guitars all over the place and we had a piano. Piano's a little easier. Maybe I'll get the piano. But I put down the guitar again and I'm like, okay. But I do remember, oh, I had to remember this hurt. I got to pick it up again and see if I can write. The guitar is a little harder. But I, I none of those things leave me. And I never walk away from them. I can't walk away from them mm -hmm. because it's part of me. It's just it gets awakened depending upon what's happening. And you know, when I was five years old, I was very chatty in school. You might not realize this. The kindergarten teacher used to tell my mom I, I you know, was very chatty. <laughs> <laughs> when I was five years old, also coming to what I do now and what I ended up doing with social work and everything, I didn't even want to do social work. But when she went around and she asked people what they wanted to be, she took me all around the school because when she asked what I wanted to be, I said I wanted to be a psychiatrist. So she took me all around the school. What did, tell them what you, Mrs. Goldberg, tell them what you said, dear. <laughs> when we asked you, these other idiots over here, you wanted to be a whatever, you wanted to be the sweeper, you wanted to be, a, you wanted to be chewing gum. Okay, she wants to be chewing gum. But tell them what you wanted to be, dear. <laughs> oh, my God, I remember that day. I want to be a, a dentist. <laughs> dentist, but it was like, yeah, you said you want to be a floor mat? Oh, that's cute. And tell them what you want. All right, so. But I'm saying that still that's part of me too from five years old. Mm. And I meant that. You know? So when I came back to social work, that's a part of me too. I guess I have to find sometimes either find whatever a way to do everything or find ways to do some of the things. 
and express myself in different times or different ways. But that's what I'm trying to do now again. And that's like trying to figure out how to access those things from me and share them and execute them and reinvent them and find them. Make sure I keep finding them, that I don't let them dissipate, that I don't let them, at least that they're never going to dissipate, but that I keep on remembering them. You know, not to sound like Sybil with, you know, no, like not like at all. Not 12 at all. personalities. You, you know, people are not just one thing. I'm not. And, <laughs> well, I, I will say this. I, I, I just, I, I, I so respect uh, that you followed, you know, you've listened to yourself in terms of when you, when you wanted to perform in public and when you did not and, and we're not bound by, you know, other people's expectations or whatever. I hope that if you do decide to perform in in public again, that you'll consider coming back to the to the the institution that you you were responsible for kicking off. I'd love to. And and uh, just just keep making art and 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 living life. I will do. You too. I, I'll try. Yeah, you're doing it. <laughs> And thank you. Thank you. All right. So finally, we conquered New York City transportation. We slayed the beast of Accessoride, and we got to finish our chat with Dawn Owens. I hope y'all enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed it. You know, it's weird. She's like the first guest we have. There's nothing to plug for her at present that I'm aware of. But, you know, we do have anniversary shows coming up in February. Maybe she will pop by and make an appearance. That would be really awesome if she does choose to do that. Thank you guys for listening. Got to give kudos to our staff. First and foremost, the grand poobah of the whole shebang. Our producer and chief sound engineer, Gary Hardcastle. Additional sound provided by Miles Mix Appeal Blue Spruce. A tip of the cap to our interns, our PAs, Stanley Recio and Jeremy Pueo. And the theme music is written and performed by King of the Hill, Courtney Hill. I want to thank you all for listening. And actually, you know, Dawn and I talked so much about her recording debut from the 80s, which she didn't know was a recording debut until someone told her the debut. We talked about it so much, even though we used it on one previous podcast, we thought it was appropriate to end this one with it. So once again, enjoy Victim of a Joyride by Dawn Owens, or if you find a rare copy of this somewhere by Dawn. Until next time, my name is Eric Vedder. Thank you all for being here so much. I love you all.